0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ask Andrew. I'm Andrew, and you're asking good questions. And the main question that's been coming up lately is, how do I do a good assessment? And of course, people have been asking for types because I have slid down this rabbit hole of assessment. And I'm afraid that I could talk about this pretty much forever and never run out of details that we could look at. So what I want to do in this talk is really focus hard on Um, Principles and ideas that inform assessment, because what I want to show you is how to assess ideas. Now, what we talked about in the last session was the three columns, and we expanded from mere concepts, mere actions, and mere facts, sort of a bottom level, the base of each column. And we looked at the capital of each column, which I proposed is concepts fulfill themselves in wisdom, actions fulfill themselves in virtue, and facts fulfill themselves in knowledge of the tradition. The word I used was tradition, but in a known, a possessed, let me put it that way, you possess the tradition. And we said that that we go from facts, we organize them into categories. Categories put together give us a memory. Memory gives us domains of knowledge, or what the Latin term was scientia, so sciences. And then sciences are fulfilled. Domains of knowledge are fulfilled in the tradition that they sustain. Actions become habits. Habits become skills. Skills become arts when they're gathered together. And arts become or at least develop virtues and I I should clarify one thing I had I think I suggested last time that skills might be more basic than habits but what I've been thinking about is how habits just develop skills involve the application of reason maybe um, maybe habits and skills are so close as to not be distinguishable even, I don't know. But it seems to me that when we when we go from, from just habits that develop because they develop to skills, we, and when we have a skill, we've got more thought going into it. We've got more control over it. So actions become habits, become skills, put them together. You have arts and arts become virtues. And remember that art simply means a way of doing something or a way of making something. And then in the third column, we had concepts that become Understanding of realities, I wasn't sure how to exactly put that, but concepts become understanding. Understanding informs ideas, ideas become prudence, and prudence is fulfilled in wisdom. All right, fine, all of that is great. Why Why draw back to all of that? Because then we went and talked about a very basic approach to assessing skills or actions, really, that, that column of actions and skills. And I just said that you have to model it. They imitate. You observe how closely the imitation imitated the model, how close it was to the model. Okay. Then I threatened or promised, depending how you look at it, to talk about assessing ideas. Ideas are hard to assess in a way because if you don't understand them, how can you assess whether another person understands them? So let's talk about what an idea is. I think that there's four helpful ways for me when I think about ideas to divide them up. Ideas consist of... Uh, idea. There are... Yeah, I'll just say there's four kinds of ideas. The first kind of idea is a principle. Principle comes from the word uh, prince, first thing. A principle is something that governs an area of knowledge. Second, there's elements. Elements are the pieces of a thing. So uh, an essay has many elements to it, Um, a refutation, a conclusion, a proof, that sort of thing. Those are the elements of an essay. You could say a sentence. And then there's forms. Now a form, you could say, is a collection of elements. But what I have in mind by a form is something like an essay, a paragraph, a sonnet, a novel. What defines these things is the shape they take, is is the pieces that make them up and the sequence of those pieces. So you have the abstract principles, you have the more or less concrete elements that make up the thing, and then you have the forms that the thing can, can take. So there are principles of writing, elements of writing, and forms of writing. Now, if I want to broaden even more, we can take this notion of an idea, a fourth um, kind of idea, and I'm just going to call it a category, a category. Now, Aristotle identified 10 categories that he said everything consists of, and I won't get lost in those right now, but um, maybe it would be useful simply to list them, but um, cat, the, his categories, we'll, we'll come back to this someday, but his categories are substance, which simply means a particular thing, like a horse, that's a substance. Please don't mix this up with the modern concept of a substance, which tends to mean the material stuff out of which something is made. A substance is a thing that you can look at in its individual existence. Then there's quantity, how much of something there is. Quality, the magnitude or greatness of, or goodness of a thing. There's relations, like, for example, father and son, that's a relation. Then there's time and space. When did it happen? Where did it happen? Where is the thing? Where, where When is the thing? And then there's what you could call position and possession. That's one way of looking at it. The Latin terms that they use to translate Aristotle's Greek are situs and habitus, um, Situs is where we get the word sight, S-I-T-U-S, in English sight, S-I-T-E, where is something? And then possession really is kind of the idea of, and and habitus is the Latin, H-A-B-I-T-U-S, looks like habit, and it's the idea that characteristically this thing has this other thing. Um, His other two categories are action and passion, but those tend not to be as abstract action is something that is done passion is something that is done to the, the substance or the subject now don't worry too much about those categories i offered those for people who like that sort of thing and want to think about it they're they're really helpful but when we talk about assessment most of the time if we're assessing an idea we're assessing a principle an element or a form now sometimes especially in something like well in any skill subject like math or writing you'll have processes. And what I want to suggest to you is that a process is kind of a, I'm going to call it a quasi-idea. It's its like an idea. A process is like an idea. Um, how to put this? It's, it's like an idea in that um, you have to think about it. You have to remember it, though, and in that sense, it's like a collection of facts, and you have to act on it. In that sense, it's like a skill. So I'm going to call a process the most basic idea, almost a, a quasi-idea. But but if, for example, I'm teaching a child to do two-digit addition, the process is, is simply put, first you had the ones column, then you had the tens column. That's one way to do it. That's a process. We can call that an idea because it's a skill that has to be understood. But beyond processes, our principles, elements, forms, and categories. And what we're looking for in the child's mastery of an idea is not his ability to do something, but his ability, but his understanding of it, his perception of the idea. Okay? Now that's an important thing because the pragmatist argues that really all there is, is action. That If you can't use it, if you can't do something with it, what difference does it make? And the fact is it makes a great deal of difference for this, well, for this reason. And this is going to help understand why, how to assess. There are three things that apprehension of an idea accomplishes in the mind. Three things it accomplishes. One is when you apprehend, and apprehend is a Latin term, it just literally means to take hold of something, comprehend, right? In, 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 um, in the Gospel of John, it says the darkness comprehended him not. The Latin term there is comprehended him not in, about Jesus, that the darkness comprehended him not. But it's fascinating in John, in John 18, when Jesus is arrested, the word it uses for arrest is Comprehendere, the darkness—you could say—in that case, comprehended him, but only physically. Okay, so you can see there's there's apprehending or comprehending something physically, which is of some value, but the real mass, the real comprehension that matters, or the apprehension that matters. Is the intellectual. Intellectual comes from another Latin word, intellect, intellectus, literally, and it doesn't mean mind, it means understanding. An intellectual virtue or an intellectual skill is not an academic skill. Everybody has intellectual skills. They're simply the skills by which we understand things. The ability to understand is the intellect. Now, therefore, there are three things that happen when you take hold of an idea, when you grasp an idea. Three things happen. The first is very subjective. You feel joy. You feel joy. Everybody knows that we talk about the aha moment. We talk about the eureka moment. We talk about that time when, oh, lo and behold, I've been wrestling with this math problem, and and I figured it out, and I feel what? I feel joy. Now, sometimes that's relief, but there's always also a sense of seeing something I didn't see before. I am changed when I perceive a truth. I am changed within me. And because my soul feeds on truth, I feel joy the same as I feel joy when my body feeds on food that's healthy and, and pleasing to me. So the first evidence of perceiving an idea is joy. The first the first um, thing that happens to a person when he perceives the truth is he feels joy. The, the second is the practical side. And this is important. I am not opposed to practice, to practical. People often say, I don't like, I know you don't like the word practical. Well, I do. I love, I love the word practical. What I don't like is the word pragmatic because that's a capital P where you actually say that all that matters is what you can do with something. Well, your wife won't appreciate that if that's what you say about her. Neither will your husband, women. You, 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 you sometimes just have to love things because that's what they're for, okay? And and so now, having said that, if I am a faithful spouse, then in my fidelity and love to my partner, we can have very, very practical benefits. But if I begin with the practical, my marriage might fall apart. My marriage will fall apart, whether I know it or not, because I'm treating my wife as something useful, in fact, Francis Bacon had an awful proverb where he said something like knowledge being should not be treated like a wife for use but like a mistress for pleasure. What a what a horrible thought that is. But you see the distinction between utility and delight, and what I'm arguing is that if we see a truth what I already indicated or said before, we feel joy, we feel delight. But secondly, application follows. There are applications. Truth is imminently and transcendently practical. When you, for example, see the truth that seven times two is 14, or, or when, you see the, when you see with your soul what a variable is, And and let me just say right now, most students never do see with their soul what a variable is, and that's why algebra is is frustrated. That's one reason algebra is so frustrating to them. But if you see with your soul what a variable is, you have just entered a path by which you can take that truth that you have now perceived, and you can, A, you can gain more perceptions of truth, and B, you can apply it in in a multitude of contexts, and so the first thing apprehension of an idea gives is joy. The second thing apprehension of an idea gives is an ability to apply the truth. Or you might even say, I don't I don't want to limit it to application. You can also embody the truth that you have now perceived, the idea that you have apprehended. So one is joy, and I'm gonna go with that. That second is is I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word incarnation, reincarnation if you want to be lighthearted about it. And there's there's a third thing it does which is amazing and that is that when you perceive a truth when you perceive an idea usually that's a principle and a principle governs and and reveals further truths and because it governs over an area of knowledge when you perceive a principle now you can bring order and harmony to a domain over which that principle governs. So, for example, the principle, the, the truth rather, that, yeah, okay. The, sometimes it's the same thing, isn't it? The principle that a sentence has a subject that should agree with a, a predicate, okay? That's not just a grammar rule, Notice how we do that to kids. We call them rules, and kids live for rules, don't they? It's a principle. And when you perceive with your soul that a subject and a predicate need to agree, you can now apply that to every sentence, every thought you ever think, including a mathematical sentence like 3 plus 2 equals 6 minus 1. Because, you see, the subject 3 plus 2 has to agree with the predicate six minus one. And I hesitate because when I say the six, you can see it doesn't agree. It's bad grammar, right? That's what happened there. Now, that's a principle, and it applies to all thought, to every single thought. And you can use that principle that a subject and a predicate need to agree to harmonize your own thinking. Now, that's a gigantic principle that applies to all thought. But there's other principles, and every principle is a governor of its own domain, you might say. Um, God is good is an awfully big principle, isn't it? Um, three plus two equals five actually could be a principle. Um, definitions really are often are the same thing as, as a principle. Um, maybe though, maybe for the sake of convenience, I'll just add definitions to the list of ideas I mentioned before so because it might be clearer for you to think of them separately from from uh, principles a definition might be something like a point is that which has no part, which is a mind-blowing definition. But once you perceive it, you feel joy, you have an ability to, to apply it, to embody it in new context, and you have the ability to bring harmony to more thoughts. Okay? So, so perception of an idea does three things. It gives you joy. It gives you the ability to embody or re, to incarnate the idea. And it gives you the ability to bring harmony to more domains, to more areas of thought. Now, my time's up. So, you're probably saying, oh, great, this was going to be practical. Yes, it is. If you got what I just said, transcendently practical. But let me just show you in general, in principle, how this is going to become practical. When you assess a child to see whether he has perceived the truth, the first thing you want to look for is joy. Not feigned put on joy, but the actual involuntary internal leap that takes place, that Wordsworth expressed when he said, my heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. Why? Because his soul sees something. His heart leaps up. Well, my heart leaps up when I see a mathematical truth, when I see a grammatical truth, when I see a literary truth, when I see any truth. My heart leaps up. That's what it does. So look for that. Hard to grade, though but look for it. It's more important than the grade. Second, determine whether the child can now incarnate the principle or truth or idea that he has learned. If he has learned what a variable is, can he use variables himself? Could he create an equation with a variable all by himself? If he's learned now what a ratio is, can he apply the principle of of rationality? See that? Can he apply ratios in different contexts? Can he incarnate ratios? If he's learned a grammatical principle, if he's learned what a simile is, can he now use a simile in multiple contexts? Can he create his own similes? Now, don't look for a lot of refined judgment, but can he do the basic thing that that idea opens up to him? Can he incarnate the principle truth learned? And third, can he take that principle or idea or truth that he's learned and, and extend the reach of the harmony that that, that um, enables? Can he do, can he take an area of thought, and it might be a very small area like a sentence, or it might be a, a huge area like biology, or even bigger still like philosophy? Can he take that principle idea that he's learned and use that principle to bring harmony? to a wider do- domain. Can can areas where he was confused? Can he take this not this new principle, this new insight, move it into this area where he has been confused and clarify it? Okay? If so, he's learned the idea. Those are therefore what you want to look for when you assess. Does he feel joy? Can he can he embody it, apply it, and can he extend the harmony into areas where he had previously been confused? Now, I'm going to end in my next Ask Andrew. I will press this a little bit further because you want concrete examples of this idea. You want me to embody this type. You want me, sorry, you want me to embody this principle. So if I am going to say that the way you assess whether a person understands an idea is you determine whether he can incarnate it and whether he can bring harmony into areas of confusion, then what I'm going to have to do. Is show you how you can incarnate this across the curriculum, across the things learned, and how it can bring clarity to areas of confusion. And that's what I'll address in my next Ask Andrew. Thank you. And may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with quins.